more, some, some uh, will say more than, uh, less than that. But I believe there were three. In Luke 7, uh, there was the first one that we see the account of Jesus being anointed by an unnamed woman. And uh, tradition, church tradition says it was probably Mary Magdalene. Uh, she anointed Jesus with oil, and she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this was early on in his ministry. And some people will lump that in with the other ones, but it, it's separate. It, it, if you go back and read it, you'll find out it, had, it was a separate anointing. So uh, then the second anointing took place just six days before Jesus was to be crucified. It's very clear in the scriptures. And it was happen, actually happened before the triumphal entry, which we talked about last week. And uh, this is the story where Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it was in their home that Jesus, they had prepared a supper for him. And Mary came and anointed his feet with this expensive oil. And people go, well, it was always the same oil. It was always the same because it was all, they always said it was worth 300 denarii. Well, guess what? Back in that day, everybody had kind of the same things. And so there's, there's not a problem with me uh, when, when people say, well, it's the same anointing. I believe there are different anointings because Mary anointed his feet, okay? And she wiped his feet with her hair. The third account is found in the Gospels of Matthew and, and uh, Matthew 26 and Mark 14. If you want to go back and study these, I think it's a cool study. Uh, the women in, the, in these two anointings, or this one anointing, they're the same one in the Gospels. These happened after the triumphal entry, two days before Passover. And these women are unnamed. And these women anointed Jesus' head. Isn't that interesting? You've got his feet by an unnamed person, maybe Mary Magdalene. Uh, his, his feet by Mary of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And then you've got his head by these other two uh, or this other occasion, unnamed women and unnamed home. OK, so we've got these three anointings. And so I God said, you need to go back to John chapter 12 because you're going to show the church something in not only John chapter 12, but in John chapter 13, because God was showing me that there's a there's an anointing took place by Mary and then there was an anointing, in a sense, that took place, or washing of the feet by Jesus in the next chapter of John. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 all the way through, unless I'm supposed to stop and say something about them, okay? John chapter 12, then we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 10, then we're going to look at, at John chapter 13, all right? You with me? Then six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had, was, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who ate or sat at the table with him, with Jesus. So you've got this picture of a Martha serving supper to Jesus. Lazarus is kind of like, he's like, like I said last week, he's a celebrity. He's been raised from the dead. And he is a welcome guest at the table with Jesus. Martha's serving supper, and then you've got Mary. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, which was a real no-no, okay? Women were not supposed to let their hair down in public or in, in the presence of other people. And she let her hair down and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, a sign of true humility. And the house, listen to this, I love this, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Man, how many of you like to burn candles in your home that really smell good? Or, or you, you like a good cologne or a good perfume. Man, this, this smell in the house was just, woo. There, there were people that walked in. This is, there was a fragrance. Well, I think the fragrance might have been the oil, but the fragrance was because of where the oil was put. Okay, it was on the feet of Jesus. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, 
who would betray him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, which was about a year's wages, okay, and given to the poor? Very noble, very noble of, of, of Judas, right? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Hmm. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Okay? Y'all got this picture? Have you, have you, can y'all envision that in your mind? What has just taken place? Because this is about passion and expression. And at the first glance, I thought these verses were really about worship. That's where I was going with this sermon. It's all about worship. That's why I picked the song, Stay Amazed. It's about worship. I thought, man, this is, this is this so beautiful. But then as God showed me this, he said, this isn't really about worship, Harold. I said, what? He said, this story is about service. This story is about servanthood. Okay? Remember, we always all right, flip back to Luke chapter 10. I, I want to explain this. I want to explain where I'm going with this because we give Martha a bad rap in Luke chapter 10, don't we, Dusty? Okay. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he, that was Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. It's like the first time that they'd met. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I know none of you get distracted, right, with serving. And as she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? (laughs) She's upset. She's human. Therefore, tell her to help me. Anybody ever tattle on your sister or your brother? Mom? I cleaned my room. My brother did, and he messed it up. You know, you, we, we tattle, and we try to get mom and dad to do things in our, our way and, get, you know, sway them to our side. And here's Martha saying, Jesus, I've been cooking and cleaning, and the dishwasher hadn't been unloaded yet. And all she does is just sit in there at your feet and listen to you. You're like, oh, wow, big deal, you know? That's how I pictured it anyway. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha... Martha. Now, when Jesus says anything twice, you what? Better pay attention. Martha. Martha. It's like, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So we give Martha, kind of like we give Thomas a bad rap, which we shouldn't. We give Martha a bad rap for that. Because she was distracted. And, and she was. And Mary was doing the right thing. She was like, I want to learn. I, I, this is the, the new rabbi in town. This guy, I've heard some great, great things about him. I've got to hear what his word is. But in, Mar- in John, now flip back to John chapter 12. In, Mar- in John chapter 12, Martha served Jesus' supper. Now that may sound like, well, yeah, right. That's what it says, Pastor. But there were no distractions, no rebuke from Jesus, no telling Mary off, (laughs) no Mary asking Jesus to put Martha in her place or Martha telling Jesus to put Mary in her place. Do you find that strange? I do. Because it's kind of the same thing. But Martha 
was serving without distractions. Jesus needed to eat supper. It's okay to serve. Don't think because Mary's doing something else that Martha was doing the wrong thing. She wasn't doing the wrong thing. She knew her place. She knew what she was supposed to be about that day. And she was serving Jesus' supper. Now, Mary, listen to, me, listen to this. Mary was not sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his word, was she? She wasn't sitting at his feet worshiping him. What was she doing? She was serving Jesus in a different way. She was anointing his feet for burial. She was wiping his feet with her hair. She was serving Jesus. Listen, I believe Mary is a worshiper. I believe Martha was, was a worshiper. And if you look back at chapter 11 of John, you'll find out that Martha was the one after Lazarus had died and was in the tomb and Jesus came back to the town and everybody was like, Jesus, where have you been? It was Martha that said, uh, for the poor, excuse me, it was Martha that said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into this world. It wasn't Mary who acknowledged who Jesus was. It was Martha. So let's quit giving Martha a bad rap. She was a servant. She believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. She was serving Jesus' supper. And here we have Mary coming and serving Jesus and preparing him for burial. A passionate expression of our love for Jesus may begin with worship, but it'll end in service. That's what God showed me. You can worship till the cows come home. You can be the most faithful of church attenders. Man, you can, you can be at home and you can have your CD go just worshiping God all you want to. Man, you can be in your Bible study after Bible study after Bible study and get fat and fatter and fattest on the Word of God. But if it doesn't lead to service, you're missing it. it that's what worship does. It should turn you on to serve. When you come into the presence of God and you walk out of here and nothing's happened and you see somebody on the side of the road that needs help or you know a family member that's called you that needs prayer or somebody that you know has been sick and has gone to the hospital or somebody's been arrested and they're in jail and you do nothing, then all you've done was worshipped. And it hasn't led to what God wants worship to lead to. It's service. Faith without works is dead. So... If you're one of those fat cat Christians, you know all the word. You've got all the diplomas and you've got all that going for you. You've got every new CD with the Bethel music and, and you've got Jesus culture and you've got Chris Tomlin. And man, you're just flooded and filled with the presence of God and not, you do nothing in the cause of Christ to serve Christ. Then listen, you've missed it. You've just gotten fat. And it's very silent in here. Now move to John 13. Because God said, the Holy Spirit said, this is where I want you to connect these two. This is four days later, probably four days later. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know who he loved his, his, his own? You know who he loved to the end? Judas Iscariot. Not just the other ones. He loved them all. This is before the betrayal. 
He loved them all. It says he loved them to the end. After and supper being ended, or many translations say during supper, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen in his life, didn't he? He knew what Judas was going to do, didn't he? And just as his disciples had laid down their garments, listen, there's so many parallels, so many shadows, so many things that, that we see in Scripture. Just as they had laid down their garments on, and before the donkey, as they had laid them down on, when he came through Jericho and they were singing, Hallelujah, praise God, Hosanna, son of David, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They, they laid down their garments. Well, Jesus did the same thing here. He took off his garments and he laid them aside. Listen, he laid, he laid aside his kingship to show them what a true servant really is about. What a true servant looks like. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. You see, God... Washing people's feet was for servants. It was for the lowest of the low. A lot of people back in that day had servants. So if you came into their house, guess what your feet looked like? They didn't have paved roads back then. They didn't wear closed-toe shoes. They didn't wear socks. They just had sandals on. Some people walked barefooted. And so when they would come to somebody's home, the very first thing that was supposed to take place, the very first thing that was supposed to take place was they were supposed to anoint their head with oil so they'd smell better. They didn't have ride guard. So they would anoint their head with some really good perfume that smelled good. And then they would take out a basin and they would sit them down and they would wash their feet and they would dry their feet. So, wow, that was the way you welcomed somebody into your home. How would that go over today? Here's you some wipes. Here's you some Febreze. So Jesus took it upon himself to teach his disciples one more visual. One more visual he wanted to show them. Jesus was always, always about showing us how we are supposed to be in this world. Sometimes we don't look like what Jesus taught us to look like. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what, am I, what I am doing to you, you don't understand now. But you will know after this. And then Peter said something that none of us should ever say to Jesus. <laughs> you shall never wash my feet. You should never tell Jesus never. It's not a good idea to rebuke Jesus when he says, I'm going to do this for you. Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. So Simon Peter Said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One extreme to the other he seemed to go to. Jesus said to him, he who bathed. In other words, you've already had a bath, Peter. You don't need all that. And he said, who is bathed needs only to wash his feet because you've been down the dirty road. That's why I'm washing your feet. But it's completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. He was referring, of course, to Judas Iscariot. He was not clean. 
the other disciples, he had talked about his, he later, he said, you have been cleaned by the word of God. You've been cleaned, but not Judas. He did not receive. He did not believe. Now, here's a, here's, a, here's a lesson I think Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. And Peter is a really good example of a lot of us. You see, Peter has what, what I would call false humility here. You know what false humility is? False humility is, is it's rooted in well-hidden pride. It's refusing to be served. Oh, no, 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 don't do that for me. Jesus, I, I'm not that important. Please don't wash. Listen, don't wash my feet. I don't want you to degrade yourself. You know, if you know anybody that has false humility, oh, no, no, and you try to compliment them, and boy, they're, oh, no, 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 it wasn't me, it was God. <laughs> and they try, to, they try to defer everything, deflect everything, but they really, what they're saying is, yes, it was me. They're trying to get your, you know, but they'll say, no, it wasn't me, but they're wanting you to acknowledge how great and awesome they are. That's called false humility. Peter was operating in false humility, and that's well-hidden pride. Is also Peter, Peter refusing to listen and just simply obey Jesus. Just a simple act of, Peter, let me wash your feet. Peter's response should have been, yes, Lord, whatever you've got to do, do it. That should be our response to Jesus when he talks to us, when he calls upon us. And he says, I want to do this. And we should say, yes, Lord, if that's what I need, do it. If I need my feet clean, clean my feet. It's also a picture of people, when, G- when Peter said no, it's also a picture of people refusing to be clean through the blood of Jesus, through forgiveness. And it's called unworthiness or rejection. I don't deserve it. Some of you, it's not false humility. It's just flat out you've been lied to, that you're unworthy. You believe the lie of the enemy that you're unworthy. You've been rejected so many times in your life by so many people. You feel like God's going to reject you also. Anybody hear me what I'm saying this morning? And, and, and you've been rejected and rejected and there's that, that spirit of heaviness is on you when somebody comes to do something good for you or Jesus says, I want to forgive you of all your sins. Listen, you don't know what I've done, Jesus. I've been so bad. You, there's no way you would forgive me. You could forgive me of all my sins. Listen, guys, that, that's, that's, a, that's a slap in his face. He says, I died for everybody. I died for all sins. He died for the worst. Listen, he says, while we were yet sinners in the midst of our sin, Christ died for you. He died for me. Don't reject what God has done for you. Allow him to come in and clean you. Allow him to come in and save you. Allow him to come in and set you free. Well, I I made these choices. I know I'm going to have to live with them. No, you don't. You don't have to live with bad choices. God will forgive you if you repent of bad choices. He will restore you and he will set you on a different path. All those crooked paths, the Bible said, he will make straight. So don't reject what God wants to do for you in your life. I think this kind of dovetails into the sermon that I spoke that day. I spoke about abortion and about the, the dying of the dreams. That some of you have allowed the enemy to come in and snuff out the dreams in your life. You don't feel worthy to pick the dream back up and step out and start going with it again. Listen, don't allow the enemy to stop what God wants to do in your life. It's going to be your choice. So when he had washed their feet and he had taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher, Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed, say blessed. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed. I, I was brought up in the church of God. Uh, I was found, it's based out of Anderson, Indiana. It was, it was um, and you know, you've heard me tell about it before. I mean, that's where I learned about Jesus. That's where my mom learned about Jesus. That's where I was taught about Jesus. Um, and and they, had, they had three ordinances. A lot of churches still have three ordinances. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There's baptism, water baptism, communion, and foot washing. And every so often, like once a quarter, like many churches do, once a quarter, we're going to have foot washing service. I didn't like foot washing services. You know why? Because you had to wash somebody's stinky feet. And we, we, had, we had basins. We had these little basins, and, and we had towels, and, and we would, the women would separate in one room. The men would go to another, another room, and, and everybody would take their socks off. And if you knew that service was about to happen, you really wanted to make sure your feet were clean. And then you would kneel down and take somebody's foot and put it in the basin and wash their feet. With, you know, put, you know, rub their feet with the water and you know, then wipe their feet dry. Then you get up and hug them and they'd hug you and everybody would be crying. And, uh, wow, that's cool, you know. And then I found out that that wasn't the ordinance in a lot of churches because it became a ritual. And, and I, I don't believe it's wrong to do it. I, I've, I've been a part of services that were not, they were just like spirit-led and somebody got out of basin and people's feet were washed. I believe it is awesome. When Jesus said to do it, I, I think that's okay to do that. And, and here's the thing. If Jesus walked in here this morning, we would be standing in line to wash his feet. We would be standing in line to wash his feet. If he sat down up here in a chair, and Jesus, and we had some water in a basin, and if I said, how many of you want to wash Jesus' feet, man? Yeah! I want to wash his feet. Let me go home and get my best cologne and pour it on him. You, you'd, be, you'd be willing to do that. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't say for us to ever to wash his feet. He made it a little bit tougher. He said, you, as I have done, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Ooh. You mean that guy that slandered me? You mean that lady that talked smack about me? You mean that person that has never forgiven me even though I ask her to forgive me? You mean we're supposed to do wash their feet? You see, he's going a little bit deeper. He's going a little bit further than an ordinance. He's talking about serving one another out of humility and out of love. We make judgments against people and we make these judgments that I'll never serve them. I'll never do anything. We make these vows. I'll never ever talk to that person again. You would not believe what they said to me. You wouldn't believe what they did to my family. And man, we cut them off. And God says, you need to wash their feet. Right? Sure is quiet in here this morning. It's one of those fun messages, right? Yeah. But listen, if we're true worshipers, if we've connected with God, wouldn't that be our heart? To serve one another? Should be. God's looking for people to love him extravagantly and passionately and to express our love to him by our love for others. See, right after this passage, he commanded his disciples to love 
one another. He said, wash one another's feet, but he said also love one another. This is a new commandment I give you, that you should love one another. So I was wondering, how do you apply this scripture? How do you apply this passage of a woman washing Jesus' feet with a, with a perfume and Jesus washing the disciples' feet? And this is something I haven't preached on in a long time. You know why I haven't preached on servanthood in a long time? Because I see it all the time in this body. And that's why I, I, God never says, Harold, you need a man. You, your people aren't serving. You need to preach a servanthood. You need to preach a message on serving. Because I see it all the time. I see it all around me. I hear it all the time. I read it all the time. And it blesses me. And I, you know if it blesses, I know it blesses God that we have a servant's heart in this church. But when I was coming back from this scripture, God led me to, Holy Spirit led me to Matthew 25. And I want to, this is what I want to read. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I want to read this in closing. Then we'll watch a short video. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Now, I believe that God wants us to be a worshiping church. It's been prophesied over us, Mary Lee, right? That we would be a house of worship that we will be a house of prayer. But I believe those things all lead to becoming a house of serving. It comes out of here. That we walk out of this place and we are the church. We didn't come to church. We didn't leave church. Church is within us. When we walked out here, the church walks out and we begin to serve this community. And there's a lot of ways. But here's what Jesus said to do. If you want to see a way to express your heart and your love for Jesus... It says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Think about that. How many people do we feed here? Literally with food, hundreds of families a month. Hundreds of families a month. Blesses the socks off of me. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer. Listen, the righteous will answer. The righteous will answer. He's talking about the church here. The righteous will answer and say, Lord, when, would it, when would, did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king, capital K, will answer it and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. There is nothing plainer in Scripture that says this is how we are to serve. So if you're wondering, I don't know, I'm a worshiper, I love to pray, I love the Word of God, how do I serve? This is the way to serve. Go visit somebody in jail or in the hospital. 
You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be an elder to go and lay hands on somebody and pray for somebody. Go work at the food pantry. You don't have to be, have a PhD to hand out food and pray for people or give them a cup of coffee or a donut on Sunday morning. People, listen, if you go down to the coffee shop on Sunday morning, we have homeless people come in. The best meal of their week is probably going to be that donut, some coffee or an app or an orange or banana. And we have people down there that have this heart to serve. Listen, we have places for you to serve. But he's talking about more than just serving in a, in a, a corporate setting. He's talking about servanthood on a daily basis. He's talking about looking around, having eyes to see, who am I supposed to pray for today? Who am I supposed to bless? How am I supposed to act today, Lord? Listen, it goes way beyond worship. It goes way beyond worship. He said, look. Wash one another's feet. Serve one another. And he said, when you do it to the least of these. Now, I don't know who the least of these is or. But I meet them all the time. I see them all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the least of these? They're the people that nobody else would give the time of day to. They're the people that feel like everybody has... Life has passed them by. There are those people who have been caught up in an addiction. And everybody said, well, that was your choice. And we kicked them to the curb. There are those people that maybe have filed bankruptcy and they made some bad decisions. And we go, well, man, you, you, you don't deserve my help. There are these people that have made bad decisions and, 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 and they're coming for help. And you, can, you have the wherewithal to help them. And you say, well, you know what? I'm so sorry I can't help you. I've got to take care of myself. And we point, everything comes back to us. It's all about me. It's all about me. And Jesus said, no. It's all about everybody else but you. No, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Man, God put this on my heart. I don't know who this is for. Because I know we have a serving church. Jesus served us so that we in turn could serve, serve others. Jesus loved us first so we could in turn love others I'm going to close with this uh, video and then we'll have our ministry team available to pray with you this morning but I believe this says a lot about what this message teaches nice glasses oh thanks I have 20-20 vision I don't really need glasses oh well I used to have perfect vision until I caught an eye disease while on the mission field. So, glasses, it's totally worth it. Um, where did you do mission work? I spent an entire week in Africa. Well, I was in Africa for an entire year. It's amazing how much you get to know Jesus when you're there for that long. Where were you in Africa? I rescue orphans from there all the time. Really? I wonder if you rescue them from the orphanages that I build there. I don't think so. Oh, you wouldn't probably know that they're mine. I don't have my name on the building or anything. I prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> oh, well, I prefer to remain anonymous too, but when you do so much for Jesus like I do, you just can't help but be known. Listen, I have built so many hospitals and churches because I care about the body and the soul. That's nice, but I don't need a church to save souls. I just preach from the side of the mountain like Jesus. Well, if you would come down off of that mountain, you would know what people really need. Like I do. Oh, please, like you know what people need. Me and Jesus, we're tight. Look, 
You guys wouldn't even know Jesus if he came up to you with a sign that said, I'm Jesus. Are you kidding? I've brought more people to Jesus than Jesus. Well, he wouldn't even have a ministry if it wasn't for me. Jesus. What are you doing? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Then follow me. Where'd you stand? Bow your heads and have the mystery team come to the front. passionate expression of your love for Christ it will show in a lot of ways but it will show in a beautiful way as to how you treat others when I saw that video I thought wow that's probably a lot of what Jesus hears he hears people arguing and jockeying for position and all he wants us to do is serve one another in love without expecting anything in return. So, Father, this morning, I pray for every person in this building that no matter where they're at in their walk with you, that today, Father, they would welcome a changed heart a renewed mind and understand that this life that we live it's about you and it's about others you've called us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourself and when the lawyer said Jesus how, how is it that we love our neighbor you said you told the story of the good Samaritan and it was about serving Father, help us to examine our hearts this morning and ask ourselves, are we really truly servants of God? Are we looking for what we can get for ourselves or are we looking for how we can edify and build up the body of Christ? Those that are hurting, the least of these, the poor. May our heart be tuned and turned towards you today. Become aware of who we are in Christ what you called us to be about. Father, if there's any this morning that have a need for prayer, for healing, for salvation, just to confess some things, Father, to have some people come alongside them and agree with them for a changed heart. Maybe there are some here this morning, Lord, that the call has been on their life for full-time ministry and they've never... They've never stepped into that calling. Today you would remind them of that. May this be the day that the dreams come alive. But more than anything, Father, as we leave this place, may may we be willing to be obedient to you to wash one another's feet and by the way we serve them 
and the way we love them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning for anything, just step out and come. Any kind, any prayer need. We'd like to serve you this morning. We're not going to wash your feet necessarily, but we will pray over you and bless you today with healing. If you need prayer this morning, just come, step out and come. This altar is open too. If you'd like to come and just kneel and bow down. Just say, Lord, I know I haven't served you the way I should, but today's a new day. And that you had purposed in your heart that today you're going to begin to look around and see needs around you and reach out and touch people. Wash their feet, so to speak. Bring glory to God in the process. Not glory to yourself. Say, hey, look at me, but it's about God. It's about His presence. It's about His glory. When somebody says, why did you do that? Why did you help me with this bill? Why did you, why did you help me repair my car? And it's just the tangible things. You say, you know what? I just, I just want you to know the love of Christ. Just, I want you to know the love of Christ. And it opens a door, guys. It opens a door to witness. When you serve others, it opens a door. It may never have been opened if you hadn't been willing to step out of your comfort zone and serve somebody and wash their feet. So if that's you this morning, you just want to consecrate this day and say, this is the day I'm going to start serving God like never before. Just come and step out here and come and kneel at this place and lay your life down before Him. Just lay your life down before Him today.
seated. I'm so excited to introduce a family to you that um, a couple of weeks ago they uh, came in forward and filled out the membership form and said we want to be a part of this church. This is my great niece, Holly Garcia, and her husband, Matt. You get second billing, Matt, because she is my great niece, okay? And this is their precious children, Kate and Avery. And they are they're coming to be a part of Freedom Fellowship, and they bring a lot of awesome tools to to help this body of believers especially in the area of parenting and so in our next i think in our next beginning of life groups which we're going to have different uh different titles for life groups or or different uh teachings they are going to teach loving our kids on purpose or loving your kids on purpose by danny silk danny and sherry silk danny and sherry silk so they're gonna it's a nine-week course so kind of get ready for that if you're parenting you've got kids and you want to learn how to be a better parent i mean every parent i wish i would have had training when we were when we were a young married couple but you know they just we got had the kids and there was no instructions and you know we just had to take them and do the best we could with them so uh now they're we're going to have this available to our church body so uh if you are glad that matt and holly and kate and avery have decided to become a part of freedom fellowship would you just shout a big amen Oh, and clap, too. That's cool. 
so they're going to hang out up here just for a little bit because they got little ones. And so if you want to come by and just bless them and say hello to them, welcome them to Freedom Fellowship, we invite you to do that. Thank you all for being here this morning. Please go out and find a place to serve, okay? And serve in the food pantry if you can do that. We have a lot of areas that you can serve in here, but I just ask you to go out and be a servant in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.
chance that I am so afraid to I don't know how to find myself and Say we're all in the pursuit of happiness. So we fight for what's ours like an activist. The struggles here we can find across the atlas. And it all started when Adam gave up his own palace. Now the earth waits for its rightful owner. Two thousand years ago, the second Adam told us the kingdom is at hand. Died for the sins of man. Just so he can bring us back to his original plan. Where we rule over the land and meet every demand. And nature awaits for us kings to take a stand. But we need to understand that we can change the circumstances. So we choose when to advance
you would die for me. Gladly gave your life for me. Cried for me. Also, I can call you when I'm so in need. The promises you've spoken. My heart was always broken. Cause you gave the keys to life. But in my pride, I had them stolen. They say you still redeem us. Bring us to a place where we can see the keys can never be stolen. They just misplaced. So we rise from the ashes. Stand for the masses. Proclaim the victory is ours. And so we have a Times get hard to understand. For us to sit back and hope he has a plan. And face the cold with a bonus that is focused on the back. We got the key, so just believe there's nothing closed. And it's all because you got the keys inside this kingdom. Victoria yeah. 